Live from Western Kentucky University, capital of the Hilltopper Nation. Whether it's in the locker room or on the field, behind the clipboard or on the court, home or away, we've got you covered. Get ready to enter the Red Zone, your destination for all things sports, right here on Revolution 91.7. Another day, another dollar here on Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. I'm your host, Matthew Harbour, alongside with my partners, Ryan Good and Tori Bowling. Our producer, Kate and Gaylord, and Patrick Carey. And Patrick, if you listened to the show last week, he was not here because he thought it'd be a good idea to head up to Cincinnati Great idea. to see the good old Cincinnati Bengals play their first game with Joe Burrow throwing around the pigskin. And Honestly, to it was no a- surprise, let me finish, to <laughs> no surprise, <laughs> they lost by a missed field goal. Patrick Carey. It was an absolute blast being in Cincinnati. The atmosphere was electric, but my God, Fat Randy, what are we doing? Yeah, Randy Bullock. Uh, and But it was honestly A.J. Green's offensive pass interference. Which I thought was a weak call. That was an awful call. Yeah, He's getting held. What is he supposed to do? Just allow himself to get held and not even have a chance to catch the football? Yes. And that's, that's, that is a, play, that's a call that should not be called at the end of a game. But, Patrick, you got, you got to understand, when you sign up to be a Bungles fan. I agree. That, that comes Please go back it. to 2003 and tell me that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I wish we all could. I think the worst thing about that game was Randy Bullock after he missed the kick. Oh my god! I believe he grabbed his <laughs> right calf. That was weird. And he then said, after yeah. the game, it came out as a left calf. Yeah, he injury. claimed a left what calf What is going injury. on, my guy? <laughs> it's just embarrassing. Is yeah. what it is. It's just a typical way for the Cincinnati Bengals to lose a game. It's bad, but I'll admit Joe Burrow did look good on and Thursday, Thursday night football Woo! against the Browns. Baker Mayfield just he played really well. I wouldn't even say it was Baker Mayfield. I'd say it was Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Absolutely. Kareem Hunt on that on that Cincinnati last Bengals. drive to basically put the nail in the coffin. Third and six, I believe. They they need the stop right here to get the ball back, and Kareem Hunt goes for like 28 yards. Yeah, but enough of that. Let's move well, yeah. on to some Western Kentucky football. And you know what, guys? I'm not surprised. They lost their home opener for the third straight year. This time, if you want to look on the bright side and see the glasses you know, half full, they lost to a better team than Central Arkansas, I believe. And Maine. And Maine. Central Arkansas, yeah. Scotty Pippen University, yeah. Yep, absolutely. But WKU falls to 0-2. They lost 30-24 to in a, I loved it, the 11 o'clock start. I thought it was cool because all the games, all the games that we have seen from Western Kentucky football, in our college careers have been night games. So it was, uh, I, I was loving it. The 11 o'clock, it was feeling good. Weather and only the fourth, uh, weather was perfect. Yeah. Only the fourth quarter, that's when it really started to heat up. But yeah, WKU lost 30 to 24. Some notable stats Tyrell Pigram, I thought he pre- played pretty well. 18 of 25, 193 passing yards. 14 carries, 62 rushing yards, and he had three passing touchdowns. Mitchell Tinsley was the leading receiver for the top six receptions, 69 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. And then sadly, Gage Walker and Tyson Helton just couldn't get his running back going once again. 11 carries for just 34 rushing yards. And I think one of the biggest stats for the offense when you look at the box score WKU went 3 for 10 on third down conversions. You're just not going to win a lot of close games when that is happening. What I'd love to see, not only how many of those, out of those 10, how many of those were rushing on third down. Because it seems like Tyson Helton is scared to throw the ball with Tyrell Pigram at the helm, even though he had a good game. I'm no longer putting 
all the heat on Pigram as I am the play calling of Tyson Helton and the offensive coordinator. It was ridiculous. We're down, I believe it was the fourth quarter, and Western is down 10 at their own, like, 12-yard line. 30-17. And they run run the ball four straight times. Yes. Because on fourth down, they ran it again just to get the conversion. It's you, you cannot have that lack of trust. Yeah, when I when I was covering the game and after the third run and the tops had it at their own twenty yard line somewhere around there and they had to go for it on fourth and one, fourth and two, there was a Hilltopper fan who looked up towards the offensive <laughs> coordinators for the tops and yelled out, Really? Three run plays. What are we doing? I was dying. But yeah, it was just it was really weird to see. Not only that, but the defense couldn't stop the run. It looked like the Bengals D line out there against Ooh, the Browns. Yeah, first day back. Awful. And I think it was like close th- to 350. Yeah. 354 yeah, me, rushing yards. Yeah, 354 rushing yards. And before we get into more of that, get more in depth with those Liberty stats, let me read off Malik Willis, the quarterback for the Flames. His stats. 13 for 21, 133 passing yards. He had more rushing yards. 21 carries, 168 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. And then their running back was sensational as well. Joshua Mack, 23 carries for 100 rushing yards. And this is now back-to-back weeks. Really, Mikhail Cunningham for Louisville, I was surprised because he threw the ball really well. But this is back-to-back weeks where WKU... I don't know how much they knew about Willis coming into this one, but you had to have a sense that this was a run-heavy guy. So this is back-to-back weeks where Western Kentucky probably knew that you're getting run-heavy quarterbacks, but they're still being torched. Yeah, and we were dogging the secondary all last week. Well, this week it was the front seven, Um, and that's that's pretty bad that you have two straight weeks where a whole unit in your defense just completely falls apart. Um, I mean, you can't let the opposing quarterback have more rushing yards than – than throwing yards and not only that but your their uh, running back tore you up too so um and it allows for liberty to control the ball most of the game and just have a good tempo uh, throughout the game as well and another big stat i see is three for four on fourth down i mean you just can't let a team uh have a 75 percent completion percentage on fourth down and that, that's pretty rough and it's not like they ran different plays on that fourth down. They ran the same play, I'm pretty sure, all three times. It was right up the middle, and they got it every single time. I don't know what was up the WKU defense, but the Liberty offensive line was just pushing them. They just controlled the line of scrimmage the whole game for for the most part. And, you know, the defense is supposed to be the bright spot of this team. I don't know what their problem is right now, but they need to get it together. Yeah, and that was the unit that carried you uh, to, you know, a, a, a stellar record last season. Well, and you mentioned the the fact that the opposing quarterback had more rushing yards than passing yards, but he also had more rushing yards than we had total rushing yeah. yards by himself, 50 more to be exact. So you just can't have the opposite quarterback have more rushing yards than your entire team. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a good look. And Western Kentucky going into this week, they have an early bye week before getting into conference play. They're going to play MTSU on October 3rd. And if you – Think about the season last year where Western started 1-2. and two. They went into another early bye week right after that Louisville loss. Stephen Duncan got hurt. It was story time. They turned their season around. So I've been seeing a lot of tweets on Twitter, and, and a lot of people have been talking about, well, maybe this is just the usual for WKU, talking about the past two seasons where they're going to start slow, get that 
early bye week, regroup, and finish out the season strong. But here's the difference is that you went one and two last year, and then you got a new quarterback who came in and changed the whole like dynamic of the, of the team. This year, you're sticking with the same guy. I will say this, though. Pigram's better than Steven Duncan. I don't know yet if he's better than Ty Story, but he doesn't turn over the ball. He keeps you in the ball game. As long as you're, as long as as long as the defense and, and you mentioned it, Caden. Last year, especially, I remember when WKU had a huge game in October. They were playing Army, and WKU was playing really well. And that defense, Army, who was so good at running the ball, obviously could not do it. And WKU's defense, everyone started to think of them like, okay, here we go. This is a legit, legit defense. Yeah, and I would also say the difference between this year and last year is is that now you have two top 25 teams on your radar coming up. I mean, you uh, come back and play Marshall, and I don't know we'll get to them um, at home here. They're playing really well right now. And then you also you have dynamic BYU, and then you got another UAB team that's a pretty good uh, football team too. So uh, if I'm WKU, I'm not really wanting to uh, prolong this slow start because uh, it's about to get tough real quick. Uh, another thing, though, um, Coach Helen mentioned something about the receivers having depth, like depth in the receiver chart. For me, I don't see much depth in the receivers because, you know, there are multiple plays where receivers were falling down or running the wrong routes, and Pigram just either had to held the ball or he had to throw it, throw it away, or make try to scramble. I, I just don't see. You know, last year they had Lucky Jackson, and this year it looks like Mitchell Tinsley is going to be the leader when we thought it was going to be Ja'Cory Pearson. But, you know, as far as depth, I don't see that they have much depth. Yeah, they have a lot of wide receivers on the roster, but you have to have talent to say that you have depth. And I'm not saying that these guys don't have talent, but if you look at the stats, they haven't been performing. And these are a lot of guys in this wide receiver group that haven't had a lot of experience. Like you mentioned, Mitchell Tinsley, I mean, Ja'Cory Pearson – He's supposed to be the number one guy now. He was entering the season number two behind Jacquez Sloan. We all know what happened with that. He decided to enter the transfer portal. And Jacquez Pearson, excuse me, he hasn't been doing anything in these first two games. And Craig Burt Jr., he's an upperclassman. I mean, two receptions, 45 yards. He had a touchdown. He ended up uh, making Randy Mosses. Did you see that? You got Moss. Yeah, yeah, I did. Little segment. Yeah, yeah that was that was that was pretty cool. But at the end of the day, he's got to Craig Burt Jr.'s got to step it up a little bit. But most definitely in Jacor Pearson. And yeah, Tyson Helton, a, a coach is not a coach is not going to come out and say you know truthful things. We all know that. But talking about the receiver depth, yeah, you have a lot of people on the roster at that position, but you need a lot of guys who can actually play on the field to say you have depth. Well, and it's inexperienced, too. I mean, most of these guys have not played at the college level for that long, if at all. Um, but Joshua Simon is probably your best quote-unquote receiver as MIA. a tight end. So um, that can't be, that can't happen. Yeah. And, no and, over the top. And none of these guys, Lucky Jackson, even Jacquez Sloan a little bit, could beat guys one-on-one -on -one if you needed to get a receiver open. And none of these guys have really shown that in man coverage they can get open by themselves. And, and they just seem like, a, you know, guys who – just, you know, run their own route and, and well, find space in the zone. And last year you really had to respect Gage Walker coming out of the backfield and because, you know, he had a really good start to the season especially, and so that really helped the passing game. And this year they just haven't gotten that. I mean, uh, when your quarterback's rush uh, another week where, you know, we asked last week, will 
uh, T. Piggy be the leading rusher on this team, and for another week he is, and I just don't think that's a recipe for success. Do you think either – it could be three things for Gage Walker. It could either be that he's not performing, that the offensive line isn't performing, or it could be the play calling. It's the O-line. Is it because – It's play calling and O-line. Is it because it's so obvious that we're going to run the ball four times in a row <laughs> that they like – you know the run's coming because you're not going to pass the ball, or is it the fact that the O-line can't push anybody out of the way? The It's just – I don't know what's up with the O-line, but they're not getting any push up front, and the D-line's just getting in the backfield. Like, whenever Gage Walker's running uh, parallel and lat- like parallel and lateral, when he runs a sweep or whatever, he got knocked back six yards almost every single time they ran that play. So, it's, I don't know what's wrong with the O-line. It's supposed to be one of the best in the country. It was ranked 20th to start the season by uh, Pro Football Focus, so whatever their problem is, they got to get it together as well. Yeah, 0-2 to start the season, and I'm just going to be honest. I'm not surprised at all. The Louisville game, no one really expected them to win that game. And then the way the past three seasons have gone with the home opener, I am not shocked that they are 0-2. And we talked about it the first show of the year that I I forget. I think it was – I forget the website, but they had Conference USA as their number one team in the preseason poll. And if you want to, again, look at the glass half full – these two games don't really matter in the standings for WKU. All that matters is the conference games because it's not like WKU, which I'm going to get to it in a second, scores from around CUSA in yesterday's games. Marshall, who is now 2-0 and on the year, they are now number 20. They're 25th in the nation after their win over Appalachian State, who was ranked number 23rd in the nation. So, you know, Louisville, they were ranked. They're ranked now 18. They dropped back to 24 because they lost to Miami yesterday, but Western gets a win there and then a win over Liberty. Who knows? Western could be maybe just outside the top 25, but all that matters now if you're a Western Kentucky fan is looking towards the future and focusing on the conference games because if they start to lose those, then it's definitely panic time. But getting into those scores from around CUSA, like I said, Marshall is now 2-0. They beat Appalachian State 17-7, so they moved to 25th in the nation. Very interested to see how long that will keep going. I hope that they're still ranked when Western plays, and that'll be a really fun game yeah. to watch. UTSA or UTSA here on Red Zone Radio beat SF Austin 24-10. The Roadrunners moved to 2-0. Troy beat MTSU, and man, the 100 miles of hate. Western's been playing bad, but they still have a chance to blow them out because the Blue Raiders, they just look god-awful right now. They got blue blown out by Army, I believe, in week one, and now getting beat 47 to 14 by Troy goodness gracious they're 0 and 2 on the year SMU beat North Texas 65 to 35 yikes North Texas is now 1 and 1 on the year La Tech or excuse me LA Tech is now 1 and 0 they played their first game of the season yesterday they beat Southern Miss who moves to 0 and 2 it was 31 to 30 and the way this game ended was La Tech had a touchdown with 14 seconds left in the fourth quarter that was originally ruled incomplete. After review, it was reversed, and obviously that ended the game. Griffin Herbert on the catch, but man, that was a very fun ending. And then the last Conference USA score, UTEP beat, am I saying this right? Abil Christian? Abilene. Abilene. Abilene Christian, okay. 
They beat them 17 to 13. UTEP moves to set, or excuse me, two and one on the year. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more college football around the nation. Don't go away. You're listening to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Talking all things Tapper Sports, you're listening to Red Zone on Revolution 91.7. Matthew Harvard here alongside Ryan Gooden, Tori Bowling, our producer Caden Gaylord, and Patrick Carey. You're listening to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. We just got done talking about WKU's loss to Liberty yesterday afternoon. And it is now time to get into some more college football around the nation. The biggest game of the day, number 17 Miami beat number 18 Louisville 47 to 34. Miami, their quarterback, De'Aaron King, went 18 of 30 with 325 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. And then Malik Cunningham, which a lot of Toppers fans are familiar with this guy, went 26 of 36 on throwing, 307 passing yards, 10 carries for seven rushing yards. So obviously Miami was not going to let Cunningham Cunningham's legs beat them. But a pretty good game. Obviously, the most of the games in college football yesterday weren't the best. If you have number 18 and, and Louisville and number 17 Miami as your best game. But this next week, we're, we're going to get into some good ones. But did you guys see anything that uh, you thought was pretty interesting yesterday? Uh, I just don't think Louisville is that good. I was going to ask that. Is it Miami that looks good or is it Louisville that just looks that bad? I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, did, did Louisville play that well against WKU? Because I didn't think they did. And a lot of their offense came off of, like, you know, blown coverage from WKU secondaries. Now, they they put up a lot of points last night, but then their defense was just atrocious. It kind of looked like the defense we saw last year from Louisville. So, uh, I'm I'm not very high on Louisville. And, I, I, and you know, things could go south real quick uh, because they have – a fairly weak ACC schedule, but, I mean, still, you know, you could lose a lot of those games. Yeah, and I don't know about Miami either. I mean, do we really think this is going to be a top 15 team in the country in three weeks from now? Like, with the ACC, I know it's not as heavy as competition as they're probably used to, but, I mean, I don't I don't know if I really see... Probably not, because you have all these Big Ten teams coming back into play as well. Yeah, that's another interesting topic, which <laughs> last week we were talking about there were... There were discussions on if they're going to come back, and now they officially are coming yeah, back. Yeah, the schedule in came out, and I believe they're going to start their games October 24th or somewhere around that last week of October. But moving back into that Louisville Miami game, and, and what you said about Louisville not being good this year, I think their offense is kind of a sleeper. You know, Mikael Cunningham, like we said, he's he's known for his run game, but. He was slinging it, 307 passing yards and, and 26 for 36. I mean, that's pretty good. So Yeah, and like they have playmakers. I mean, you got um, Tutu Atwell and then uh, I forget the little Javion Hawkins. Javion Hawkins. And he, and he ran for 164 yeah. yards. Yeah, and those those guys were both on preseason ACC teams. So, I mean, that, they have like dynamic playmakers. It's just that I'm not sure that they just can put it all together. Well, maybe – Maybe they're not the greatest team in the world, but you do have to remember that they're playing in one of the weaker conferences yep. in college football. So I I think I like Louisville's offense. I can really see this team winning eight or nine games even and making it into a pretty decent bowl game at the end of the day. And then another game that was a pretty close one, and it should have been a blowout, number 11, Oklahoma State 
was able to hang on and beat Tulsa 16-7. You had uh, Chuba Hubbard, 27 carries, 93 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Oklahoma State, they used three QBs. None of them were working until Shane Illingworth came into the ball game. He went four for five, 74 passing yards, and that was just a nightmare game for Oklahoma State. So, I mean, the the Big 12 is the Big 2. They they look <laughs> atrocious. Big 12 has always been Oklahoma and no defense. That's all that's all the Big 12 is. Um but for Oklahoma State, I mean, the number 11th ranked team in the nation and you beat Tulsa by 9 points. Who are we saying is the second team in the Big 12? Texas. Texas. I mean, is Texas really back? I actually like Texas this year. I actually do. Sam Ellinger, I feel like he'll have a good year. They might even be playoff contention. Say it, Ryan Gooden. Uh, I remember Ryan Gooden actually told me last year, around this time probably, that he thought Texas was going to be a playoff team. This year, yeah, I did. I said by the time this year comes around, Texas will be in playoff bowl contentions, um, probably in that top eight seeds by the end of the year. But uh, back to Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard, 27 on 93 rushing yards. Not very good, especially when you're supposed yeah. to be the one of the best running backs in the country. It's basically him and Travis Etienne, which I'm sure everybody loves. But those are the that's the one-two punch right there in college football, and you come out with with that performance. It's not very good. Well, you have to remember Oklahoma State. They had to use three quarterbacks, and it's not because of injuries. It's because nobody could throw the picks. <laughs> that is true. Crying they out are loud. probably stacking the box against that team, with no question. <laughs> yeah, but it, it just it, it it's such a bad look for. The Big 12 right now. And moving on to some big games next week. The SEC is back. What are, It just means more. Honestly, I, I've always hated that slogan for some reason. My brother goes to Mississippi State, but obviously you guys know I'm an Oregon fan. But I'm always around SEC fans. I have been for my entire life. And I will admit, I will say this, that some SEC fans are very obnoxious about their team, whether it be Alabama or Tennessee or Kentucky or Tennessee or Tennessee. <laughs> But anyways, <laughs> well, it does be more because you got to think like a lot of these teams don't have like a lot of pro teams for them to fall back on. Like Kentucky doesn't have a pro team. Mississippi doesn't have a pro Alabama. You know, all, a lot of these uh, places, you know, uh, their college team is what matters to them. And, you know, I know, you know, you uh, big city folk down there in Nashville, you know, you have some pro big teams. city folk. <laughs> wow. Never heard that one before. But yeah, you got you got some pro teams to lean on. So, uh, yeah, it just means more. In yeah, I got the Tennessee Titans and yeah. I don't know the Nashville sounds. Does that count? Predators. Yeah, Predators. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking of the sounds. All underperforming teams. There, there's a rumor. Well, they're trying to bring an MLB team yeah. to Nashville. And, uh, Justin Timberlake as uh, yes, an investor. Forward, yeah. So, and I think Dave Dombrowski, the old GM for the yeah. Red Sox and the Detroit Tigers, is trying to get in on it. But yeah. that's another conversation <laughs> for another day. Some of those games that are going to be happening next week. A big one for you, Kentucky Wildcat fans. They play Auburn at Auburn, number twenty-three, Kentucky, number eight, Auburn, number twenty-four, Louisville is going. To try to bounce back against number 21, Pittsburgh, Mississippi State at number 6, LSU. Ryan, your Texas Longhorns. Am I allowed to say that? Your Texas Longhorns? No, you're not. Okay, just making sure because I I knew when I – as I was saying it, I was like, he's not going to like this. So, number eight, Texas at Texas Tech, a rivalry game. You never know. It's on the road. Are they letting fans in? I think they are. 
for these for the SEC games. They may be. Uh, or yes, it, they are. Okay. Uh, yeah. mo- most SEC teams either have twenty or twenty five percent. Okay. I I will assume that they're going to have fans at the Texas Texas but, Tech game. So Louisville. Um. So like as you know, like you know, a lot of these teams when they're going twenty percent capacity, they go to season ticket holders. Well. Louisville had so many, you know, season ticket holders not buy tickets. They only have twelve thousand seats, but they had seats out to the public for a college game day game. And I just think that shows you that, you know, even though there's fans in the stands and social distancing and it's outdoor, I just don't think a lot of people are thrilled about, you know, going into crowds of twelve thousand people during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I like I think uh, you know Kentucky will have some same problems, and a lot of teams around the SEC, you know, a lot of these older season ticket holders that have been going for years, you know, that's just kind of a high risk thing for them to go to. And then when you're charging, you know, like tickets have gone up for when they go on, um, like for a public market, and so like you know if you're paying, you know, a hundred dollars to sit up in the nosebleeds to watch Vanderbilt, I mean, not a lot of people are going to do that. Yeah, definitely. And then. Another game that's going on next Saturday, and this, I don't know if it's the game of the week, but it's the only game, it's definitely not the game of the week, because you have Kentucky and Auburn, but it's, I guess, the second best game of the week, because it is a ranked team versus a ranked team, and that's number 22, Army, taking on number 14, Cincinnati. We're going to take a break, more football, this time it's going to come from the NFL, and it was a sad day, a lot of injuries, my fantasy team is done for. We'll be right back here on Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Keeping you up to date on Western Kentucky sports, you're in the Red Zone right here on Revolution 91.7. Welcome back, Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Matthew Hargrove here alongside Tory Bowling, Ryan Gooden, producer Caden Gaylord, and Patrick Carry halfway through, almost halfway through another episode. Man, time is flying. Me and Tori are seniors. We're all upperclassmen in here. Goodness, great. We're gonna have to start recruiting. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to start recruiting fast. No, time this, is, it's gonna be the Caden and Ryan uh, show. Or, next or, year. The, or yeah. this will just yeah, Caden yeah, and Ryan, it. and then the and then Red Zone it will be over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we need to leave behind a good Red Zone legacy. Absolutely. Keep it going. Absolutely, definitely. But enough of that. Moving on to some. NFL. Speaking of NFL, News. score alert. Chargers have the ball in overtime tied 2020 to the Chiefs. There we go. That game, Justin Herbert making his rookie debut because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. And he's looked, I mean, if I remember, pretty good. a certain uh, man on the show um, kind of kind of dogged Justin Herbert. And now he's going, you know, he's taking, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in football, and, you know, mo- probably most talented quarterback of all time to, to overtime. So. Does a certain man, uh, maybe producing this show, uh, want to apologize to Justin Herbert? Why would I want to apologize? And <laughs> because, it's game one. Because it's game one, and he's already shown that he's the best quarterback in the league. <laughs> he's going up against Patty Mahomes for crying Chargers out loud. and Chiefs are always a tough game. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm pretty that's sure they did this last year or the year before yeah. going into overtime. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not worried about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be worried about oh, it. Oh, God. Well, a certain it. someone on last week's show, that would be me, said that Tyrod Taylor is the perfect replacement guy for rookie quarterbacks. He just seems to always get hurt at the right time right when rookies come in i don't know he did the same thing with baker mayfield justin herbert next will be josh allen yeah yeah, josh allen he's just he's just that guy yeah but uh justin herbert he's looked pretty good excited to see him out there obviously like i said in the last segment being an oregon fan and all but that is not the biggest news of what has been going on today in football there has been a ton of injuries and these injuries are coming 
from superstar players, especially with the 49ers roster. You have Joey Bosa and Nick Solomon Wilson. Thomas, who have likely torn ACLs, have likely torn ACLs. And then Jimmy Garoppolo and Mahim Mostert, who had an 80-yard touchdown run right out of the gate against the New York Jets. Both had knee injuries, and they had to come out of the ballgame. The 49ers ended up beating the Jets, but, I mean, it doesn't take much to beat the Jets. Well, I think Garoppolo, his ankle injury, but he's out for, like, four to six weeks. Yeah, and I was uh, driving back over to Bowling Green today, and I kept getting alerts on my phone, uh, this guy's carted off, this guy's been carted off, this guy's out for the game. I was like, there must be something in the water, and then it fell today. And it kind of makes me question, um, maybe like no no preseason, um, maybe shortened training camps that might have anything to do with this. We might it see is. more of this. It probably exactly is. It is. I mean, you see most of these are like non-contact injuries, and you, yeah. just, it, you don't think it's enough reps. I mean, you got Joey Bosa and um, Solomon Thomas. They went on the same play, basically. With both tear the ACL, and then, I mean, the entire 49ers training staff yeah, I, needs to be gone. Because I mean, it's not, yeah, it's definitely not looking good for San Francisco. And then, Caden, I know this one had to hurt you today. Saquon Barkley, he has a torn ACL. He's going to be out for the year. I don't know if it hurts you or you kind of like it because, yeah, the Giants probably aren't going to be great this year, but with Saquon out, Maybe you can get another top five draft pick. So, uh, I mean, obviously, Saquon, though, that's that's got to hurt. We were going to get a top five draft pick either way. <laughs> but at the same time, like, yeah, it, it kills. It hurts, especially because I also had him on fantasy. And uh, Sterling Shepard also went out today. He's questionable, quote, unquote. So, it's just it's just not a good day for NFL at all. Oh, yeah, Drew Locke went down um, in the Pittsburgh game. He's out for two to six And Cortland Sutton. <laughs> yeah, and Cortland Sutton. I mean, it's just injuries everywhere you look. Yeah, Broncos were still able to make that a game, though. Almost came back and beat the Steelers. But at the same time, like, can you really – because we're going through a pandemic, so, you know, they canceled all the pre preseason games and training camp was shortened. But you can't really blame them for doing that because we're going through a pandemic. You know, this is just unfortunate incidents that happen when you aren't fully prepared to play a full season. That's yeah. true. Not to mention the fact that – um. Uh, I totally just lost my train of thought. You go ahead. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> yes, uh, enough of that sad news, enough of the injury news. Let's get into the games and what happened in the action on the field or on the turf this Sunday. The best game of the day, oh, no. without a doubt, no. was the Dallas Cowboys, who were getting blown out by the Atlanta Falcons, who... You know, they're, they're kind of known for being a choke artist team, if I remember well, blowing a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl to the Patriots. The Cowboys, they get a touchdown in the fourth quarter. They're out of timeouts. They have to do an onside kick. It's 39-37. to And the Falcons forgot the rules of football. I believe Jerry Jones must have paid some offensive coordinator to tell them that you can't pick the ball up before it reaches 10 yards because the Falcons players, there was four of them surrounding the ball, waiting for it to get to 10 yards. And I'm sitting there looking at them like, you were not the kicking team. Yes, it, it, You can it, hop on it whenever you want. That's the thing. The, yeah. the Cowboys players were sitting back waiting yeah. on it, but hopefully they weren't copying them. Like, hopefully <laughs> by seeing that they were waiting on it, maybe they were thinking – Oh, man, uh, we got to wait on it. And then right when it crosses this line, then we can jump on it. No, that's not how it works. You are getting the ball, Because <laughs> what an awful friend. onside kick that was. It didn't even go five yards until – I mean, it took like four to five seconds before it even got ten yards. And yet the Cowboys still managed 
to recover the onside kick. Well, yeah. and, and just to put salt in the wound, uh, the Falcons had 39 points with zero turnovers today. Um, and entering today, teams that you know had that stat line were 440 and zero in the history of the NFL. But now they are 440 and one. You Classic know, Falcons. if if I'm the Falcons owner, Arthur Blink, I believe is his name, I'm firing Dan Quinn on the spot because that's terrible. That is absolutely terrible and unforgivable. How are you up by 20, 20 points and and you you lose the lead like that? And how do you not prepare your team for onside kicks? Like I don't get it. It's I, bad. Yeah, it's especially bad. as a defensive minded coach like Dan Quinn was being with the Seahawks and all that. How 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 does this happen? Well, and you knew as soon as they recovered that onside kick, you knew Prescott was going down the field and at least getting a field goal. Yeah. Well, especially sure. with the way he played today, thirty four for forty seven. 450 passing yards, three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown. I mean, the dude was on an absolute mission. And rookie CeeDee Lamb, he had a really nice day. Six receptions for 106 receiving yards. And like you mentioned, Tori, the offense for the Falcons was really good. Matt Ryan, 24 of 36, 273 passing yards. He had four passing touchdowns. And then Calvin Ridley had 109 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. It's just here we, here we go again with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and there's no reason, uh, going back to the Cowboys, that they don't put up 40 points a game with this offense. I mean, you got Dak, you got um, uh, Zeke, and then a, just a stellar receiving core. So there's really no reason this can't happen every week. It's just uh, they're going to have to get pretty consistent on the defense. Their head coach there. is uh, Mike McCarthy. So yeah, don't expect thanks that. Thanks for stating that fact. I'm just saying don't expect to put up 40 points with him as I mean, I'm coach. Not, obviously, no one's going to put up 40 points a game. I'm just saying, you know, the offense is loaded. There's no excuses not to put up points. Yeah, but this was a big game for Dak Prescott and really everyone with the Cowboys. They fall to 0-2, and you know how the media is with the Cowboys. Yeah. It's panic mode. If they if Starting 0-1, it was already panic mode. That's just, that's just how it is with this franchise, and it's always been like this with that franchise. Another game that really caught my eye today, the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and a lot of people I feel like you know, they are rivals, but the way the Tennessee Titans have been playing, especially going back to last year's postseason and the roster entering this season, you would have thought that the Titans would have blown out the Jags. They were able to run away with it late in the ball game, winning 33-30. to But Garner Minshew had one final drive to try to give the Jacksonville Jaguars a win over this good Tennessee Titans team through an interception. I believe it bounced off of one of the old linemen and right into the hands of one of the Tennessee Titans defensive linemen. But taking a look at some of those st stats, Ryan Tannehill, man, this dude is just so underrated. The turnaround from all those injuries and all that time from Miami, everyone thought he was done right when he went to Tennessee. He was the backup. It was supposed to be Marcus Mariota's team. They start 2-4, and four, and then they end up making the AFC Championship game. They were one game away from the Super Bowl. And then Ryan Tannehill throwing four touchdown passes today, 18-24, of 24, 239 passing yards. This is a guy that... He, he's just sneaky good. It's insane what he has been doing, but he looked good today against the Jags. Yeah, and a lot of people just think of this as um, Derrick Henry's team. You know, they ride and die with Derrick Henry. But, I mean, uh, if Tannehill's playing like this, they're going to be a hard team to beat because, I mean, if you give another element to that offense, it just makes Derrick Henry that more dangerous. Well, I think this is uh, more of a Adam Gase thing as it is a Tannehill. Tannehill has always been this player. It's the fact that you had Adam Gase in, in Miami and – you clearly see what he's doing with the Jets. You just he is not fit to be a head coach. So um 
obviously the Jets messed up there, but I think Tannehill's always had this in him. It's just he never had the right coach to, to play with him. And, and Ryan Tannehill, he even showed this, and we saw this in last year's postseason. It seems like with the Tennessee Titans, if they're going to have to have a chance to go all the way, they're going to need big production out of Derrick Henry, over 100 rushing yards, no less really. And Ryan Tannehill, he can't turn over the football. I, I forget what game it was. I think it was the Ravens game where Derrick Henry couldn't be stopped. Ryan Tannehill threw maybe barely over 100 yards, but he did his job. When he got down in the red zone, I think he had a touchdown pass and he didn't, like I said, didn't turn the ball over. So that is Ryan Tannehill's job and the and where he is in his career, I think that's the perfect job for him. Just let King Henry do his thing and you, you know, check it down, make the throws you're supposed to make, and that's the that's when the Tennessee Titans are at their best. Yeah, and just like Mike Vrabel's uh, mask says, uh, calm down and give Derrick Henry the ball. So, um, you know, that's going to be their, uh, their M.O. this season. And you have another quarterback on the other side, as we talked about for the Jags. Gardner Minshew is a glorified version of of Blake Bortles, in my opinion. He's such a Jags quarterback if I've ever seen one. <laughs> I don't know. I, he's a little more charming than uh, than what Blake Sorry, Bortles Sorry, he's a longer-haired version of Blake Bortles. He's got an incredible mustache, too, as well. That he, gives you that just makes you a better quarterback. It just he does. has definitely more character, but I don't know if he's a better quarterback, quote-unquote, than, than I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I dig the stash. I dig the flow. I mean, But Minshew Mania is in full effect. Oh, absolutely. And he showed it on the field, 30 for 45, 339 passing yards, and he had three t passing touchdowns. The only problem was he threw two interceptions. But that was a really good game. Titans-Jags, and then we just went over the Cowboys and Falcons game. That stellar, stellar finish. Update on the Chiefs and Chargers. It looks like we're going to have a tie in L.A. 20-20 to 20 on my ESPN app. It says it's the end of OT. Well, yeah. so no, I it think it's just stuck. Yeah, it, it says end stuck. OT, but it's still going on right now. So okay, I, I don't yeah, really know Chiefs what's up with that. Third and five. Third and five, and yep. how much time is left? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. Yeah. So, so ESPN app is. Third and five on the Chargers 39. Chargers on the Chargers 39. 39. So they have to, I mean. They have a chance to get a field goal and win this game. Chargers Definitely. had the chance. They went three and out, though. Okay. In the first possession of and overtime. didn't go for it on fourth down. Yeah. So. Interesting. Oh, they did. Nice. Well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to switch sports and move it to basketball and talk some NBA playoffs, and hopefully we will know what is going on with that Chiefs and Chargers game when we get back. You're listening to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Talking all things Tapper Sports, you're listening to Red Zone on Revolution 91.7. We have finally reached the final four in the NBA. Matthew Harder here alongside with Ryan Gooden, Tory Bowling, producer Caden Gaylord, and Patrick Carey. So the last time we were on the air... The Nuggets had just won Game 6, and they were entering a Game 7 against the L.A. Clippers to try and be the first team in NBA history to win back-to-back -back series after being down three games to one. And Jokic and Jamal Murray, they pulled it off. And they are in the Western Conference Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. They got blown out in Game 1. Game 2 is going on right now, and the Nuggets are up 10-7 in the first quarter with 6.49 remaining. Obviously, a lot of game left to be played in that one, but 
This game almost feels like a must win for Denver. I know they've come back down three to one against the Clippers and the, the Utah Jazz, but this LA Lakers team, I mean, they have LeBron James. It just seems like it's definitely impossible when you have the King. Well, and speaking of that that King you you speak of you said the score was 10-7. to 7. LeBron has all seven points for the Lakers. <laughs> Everybody else has put up stinkers. Anthony Davis over four. JaVale over two. Danny Green over three. Just not a good look. They're 23% shooting right now. But you're right. I mean, if the, the Nuggets cannot lose this game. This is a must win, I think, well, for you, the Nuggets. Let, let me also put the Lakers are playing in the Kobe jerseys right now. So And the Lakers are also undefeated in the Kobe jerseys. So I don't see that happening. I see the Nuggets winning game three, but that's about it. Um, but... Let's uh, going back to the uh, Clippers Nuggets series for a second. It just um, you needed a big game from Kawhi Leonard, and it just kind of speaks volumes how you know each team had their best two players. You know, for the Clippers, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. For the Nuggets, um, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And it's just kind of insane to think about the disparity between the 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 game sevens that those guys played. I mean. Um, Jokic put up a triple-double by the time third quarter is over. Murray had 40 points, and then you look over on the Clippers sideline, and Kawhi can't hit a bucket, and then yeah. Paul George on his Hitting fourth the side of the shot. Backboards. Yeah, fourth shot of the fourth quarter after making none. And it looked like, like Kawhi, I think, just couldn't get a basket to fall. I think he was forcing the issue when he looked around and saw, man, all these guys are scared half to death, and he was just throwing up shots and just couldn't get anything to fall. But the rest of that Clippers team, they just looked weak. They looked – defeated and it looked it, exhausted yeah it was and like i there's nothing more i hate more in sports than excuses and so when doc rivers said that oh we we, we kind of got tired in the fourth quarter well you know what if you had won three games ago uh maybe this wouldn't have even been a series the so. Clip, clippers players said that they needed out after three minutes of action Three minutes. What have you been doing for months? They spent this all the whole season load managing this, load managing that. Well, you have months off before the bubble. You come into the bubble. You're up three one. Like Tori said, win. Like it, there's no excuse. They said they had no. Uh, Lou Williams finally said the team had no chemistry. We've been knowing that all season. Yeah, like, and, and like Paul George kind of said the same thing. Like you know, I just think we need to be together a little longer. Well, I mean, like you were up together enough to get up three one in the series. So like, why was that not a valid excuse then? The thing is, the Clippers went on cruise control when they were up three one. So then when the when the Nuggets turned it on, there was no leadership. There was no leader role. Uh, that came out of the Clippers to get the team rallied up in the Game 7. Well, now they get to have a, a long load management for the offseason because they uh, are down a Cancun. By the way, Chiefs just kicked the field goal and won in overtime. A 58-yard field goal. 58-yard field goal. Wow. For the win. But they had a five-yard false start. I was about to say, how did that go back so far? <laughs> But at the same time, let's just let's just get this out now. Don't ever put Kawhi or Giannis in the same sentence as agree. LeBron well, I, I could ever again. So like I, I Kawhi I, Leonard I, was nowhere to be found. And like I know what you're saying. And like yeah, it's a bad game. But I mean like let's like I don't think that disparages the fact that Kawhi Leonard had one of the best NBA playoff runs in NBA history last last season. And like I don't think one game necessarily defines a player like that. Okay. Now was it a choke? Yeah. And does he deserve to be criticized? Yeah, but I don't think it has that now, big ramifications. I, I will say this. This is a huge loss for Kawhi because the Nuggets come back and beat the Kawhi Leonard. This is not Paul George's team. This is Kawhi Leonard's yeah. team. The Nuggets come back and beat a Kawhi Leonard led Clippers team down three games to one. They come back. 
Now people start to think, you know what? Let's go through Kawhi's legacy. Yes, he had the Spurs. He had Manu. He had Team Arguably Tim Duncan. He had Tony Parker. Yeah. You go to the Raptors. There is no way they are winning that series if Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. That, that series goes five games. Right, there is right. no way. I no get that. Way. I get that argument. And like is it valid? Yeah, but if we're gonna do that, then let's just go back through and see all the playoff series that I also have injuries. I mean, you're does, right. Does, you're the, right. War, does the Warriors' first title count because you know right. Kevin you're Love right. and Kyrie Irving were out? Okay. So if we're gonna do that, then like you know, so like, yeah, ifs and buts. You know, you make a good whatever. Point. See, I, but that, like, that, that, at, at the end of the day, they won the title. No, I, like, totally that's what I disagree. At, go ahead. Go so, ahead. so you do the it. Warriors? Does that does that finals count? I don't think this is necessarily a team argument. I think this is necessarily the individual aspect that all these Kawhi fans and things like that were saying Kawhi's been great for all these years, but he was carried by the San Antonio yeah. Spurs. Yeah, I he, mean, I don't, I don't he think got if, to the Raptors. I don't think if anyone, if then, anyone knows what they're talking about, they know that Kawhi Leonard wasn't the best player on the team. He just had an incredible series. It's kind of like Andre Iguodala did. Did he really have an incredible season, series, or did he just guard LeBron? Because he didn't lead any stats on that team at all. He didn't lead in anything. They really just gave it to him the same reason they gave it to Iggy. Yeah, he, he only guarded LeBron. the best player on the team and did a pretty good job. Oh, at my gosh. To win. I, t- I, tell you what, I tell you what, the reason, the reason why I brought the conversation up is because Kawhi lost. Yeah. If he wins, because everyone after that Raptors when when – the Raptors won the finals. Nobody thought about it that way. They just said, "You know what? Warriors didn't have a, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of people healthy, but Kawhi still balled out. And he definitely deserved it. And I still think he does deserve it. But because I, this loss was so bad, it makes people think. Well, maybe you know, question the leadership and question the, I guess." I don't know the the truthness in his championship win. Yeah. It wasn't just that it was so bad. They gave up. They were not trying. Look, Kawhi shot one of ten in the second half. Six he shot twenty two. Six for twenty two for the game. In the second half of the series, he averaged nine points on less than thirty five percent shooting. If well, you, it uh, if you can pull out game seven numbers too, the last game seven he played in versus Philadelphia seventy sixers, he had like forty eleven and okay. seven. But so, you I mean, know, like if we can pick numbers apart all day, then like you know, let's let's get a full story. Okay, on you're it. talking about the Easter conference in the second round you know lebron played it's in the easter conference and they would say oh it's the easter conference but now Kawhi went through the easter conference for one season uh, it's like oh Kawhi I mean, did this to be Kawhi fair it was a lot harder than playing the atlanta hawks not only that but stop Kawhi's that. did the atlanta hawks the ever 60 win atlanta hawks stops. the 60 win atlanta hawks stop it so atlanta hawks <laughs> the raptors team was the the secondary players for the raptors were much better than the secondary players for the clippers even though the bench clippers are supposed to be better than the raptors which he left. So I would take Pascal and Kyle Lowry in Game 7 more than I would take Paul George and Lou Will or whoever you want to throw in that third guy because they did not show up at all. Kawhi, yes, he was on an island, and yes, he played awful, but who was he going to pass to? I mean, Paul George is hitting the side of the backboard for him. I don't even want to hear that. Their offense is just – it's so stagnant. They just have a bunch of ISO players because when you take a look at the five guys they Mm -hmm. have out there to end the game, you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George – Lou Williams, Zubak, and then uh, who am I? Missing? Patrick Beverly. So obviously you can't. You're not going to be giving the ball to Patrick Beverly. You're not going to be giving the ball to Zubak. And then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You never see those guys pick and rolling with anybody. And, and Zubak is not a, enough of an offensive threat to be just consistently 
doing the pick and roll with him towards the end of the game. So what happened was Paul George, he'd get the ball. He'd try to go ISO. Kawhi Leonard would do the same thing. And you know what team also would do that, who Paul George didn't have success with, was the Oklahoma City Thunder. Paul George would try to go ISO. Wouldn't work. Russell Westbrook would try to go ISO. Same thing when they had Carmelo Anthony and they lost first round of Utah Jazz. Carmelo would try to go ISO and wouldn't do anything. Well, I think this is more of a testament to Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers was did an awful coaching job yeah. for the third straight time when he was down 3-1. And my thing with Doc Rivers was is they couldn't figure out the their defense. I mean, that, that was what the Clippers are supposed to be built on. You have all these perimeter defenders and, and Montrez held down low that supposed to be a great defensive team and like – you got a big bumbling, you know, fat dude out there just dicing you up. Who are you talking about? Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he carved them up. It, like it, it was kind of incredible. Like, why did they keep double teaming him? I, th- I heard Jeff Van Gundy saying the broadcast that um, when they were coaching on the USA team, they were uh, playing Jokic during FIBA. That Greg Popovich said we're not double teaming him when he can see it because then he's just gonna dice him up, and that's exactly what the Clippers did. Yeah, it's. Uh it's. I mean that that series was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. It's kind of awesome it, to watch Denver and, do it. And, and Matthew, and, yeah. Matthew, go ahead. Who, are, who are the people who believed in the Nuggets? Everybody, Me and everyone except, for, except for the Denver Nuggets fan. Because <laughs> I remember when I asked you guys, and and you guys were like, I think they can be. And I said, There's no shot. Me so, and Patrick said the Nuggets could win it. So I, but it's personal too because I remember standing here defending the Nuggets, and then when you when I passed it to you, Matthew, you completely shut down everything I said. They, they, and you were like, They the turned Nuggets to a different team. Absolutely. Oh, it, it was no it chance. was definitely a bad take. Yeah, and I and I mean, there's there's no way around it. I definitely. But you've never thought, been more happy to be wrong. Never been more happy in my life. <laughs> Nugs in seven, baby. I named the episode that. <laughs> okay, uh, Pickums are coming up next. We got to move along. You're listening to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Keeping you up to date on Western Kentucky sports, you're in the Red Zone right here on Revolution 91.7. Welcome back, Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Matthew Argovier alongside with Brian Gooden, Tory Bowling, Patrick Carey, and producer Caden Gaylord. Pretty good show. We've talked about WKU football, just college football in general, NFL, and some NBA playoff talk. We didn't really talk about the NBA playoffs. We just kind of talked about how the Clippers choked and you know, the LeBron James conversation also, that everyone I, and their mother always has. Uh, you know, I know a lot of things are going on, but I'd like to give a shout-out to my Cincinnati Reds. Uh, they won 9 of 11 and um, won 2 out of 3 from the best uh Little tip of the cap to the Reds. Yeah, so uh, big week coming up. Yeah, I didn't throw in any, any baseball in just yet. When we yeah. start getting closer to October, you best believe that <laughs> you and me are going to have a jolly good time here on Sunday nights. But – now it is time to move on to those good old pickums. Before we get into those, a look ahead at the sporting schedule for WKU this week. Obviously, WKU football is on a bye week, so you'll have to wait till next week for their MTSU game. And then WKU women's golf is going to be playing in the Hoover Invitational, hosted by UAB. That's going to be a tournament starting tomorrow, and it ends on Tuesday. So a two-day tournament. They're coming off of a first match win at the USA Intercollegiate. Riley Markham, a freshman, Got second place individually in the tournament. Conference USA Player of the Week. This this women's golf team 
Watch out for them this year. They could be low-key the biggest story on the Hill this entire year. So now let's move on to pick-ems. I'm going to start with the game of the day because it is Kentucky against Auburn. I'm going to go ahead and put Auburn. Tori, who you got? Give me the Kate. Ryan. I'd love to pick Kentucky, but uh, I'm here to win, so give me Auburn. Caden. You're going to trust Bo Nix in a big-time game? Get out of here. Bo Nix. Kentucky. Thank you. Patrick. Give me the Cats. All right. Next game, the (laughs) – I was going to say the evil team uh, of Red Zone Radio because all four of you guys are Kentucky fans. So, I I mean, I guess I'm going to join the bandwagon. Just hate Louisville. So, here we go. The evil Cardinals. Louisville, number 24th in the nation, moving back against number 21, Pittsburgh. Patrick, I'm going to start with you. Who you got? Give me Pitt. Caden. Pittsburgh. Ryan. Pittsburgh. Tory. I'll take Louisville. Yeah, I'm going to take Louisville. I'm, I'm still a believer in that offense, so I'm going to. You chose them last week, too. Uh, yeah, I know. I, 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 I did, but I'm, I'm going to stick with them. Next game, more SEC action. Number five, Florida taking on Ole Miss. I'm going to go with Florida. This game is in Mississippi if that you know, sways your pick a little bit. I don't think it will. Torig. Yeah, give me the Gators. Ryan. Not a big fan of Kyle Trask, but I'll, I'll give me the Gators. Caden. Florida. And Patrick. Yeah, I just think SEC football is going to be different this year with limited capacity. Those home, the home games are going to be so different. So give me Florida. Yeah. Clean sweep for Florida against Ole Miss. Now, West Virginia against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Obviously had that close game against Tulsa. They moved up one spot in the rankings. They're now ranked 15th in the nation, but this could be a pretty interesting one. I'm going to start it and go with Country Roads, Old West Virginia. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, give me Oklahoma State. Tory. Yeah, Country Roads, take me home. Give me West Virginia. Patrick. Give me West Virginia. And Caden. Oak State. Next game, Florida State and Miami. Florida State, I I believe Florida State's head coach, Mike Norville, tested positive, tested positive for uh, coronavirus. So I don't even know if he's going to be the head coach. I doubt it he'll be the head coach for when they play Miami. So but they test it, the entire it, team? Because I, there's no way nobody else tested positive with the head coach testing positive. Yeah, that I'm... I just saw a headline that just said Mike Norville. I didn't see anything else about any Florida State players. This game may get canceled, so it may not even be in the pickings. But just in case, Florida State, who I don't even know if – I don't even think they would have a chance even if Mike Norville was the coach because they got beat by Georgia Tech and now they're playing number 12 Miami. So I'm going to start with Miami. And and since we're running out of time, do we have a clean sweep? Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. I don't care if Bill Belichick was on Florida State sideline. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tennessee, number 16, Tennessee against South Carolina. And Tennessee is ranked, but – UT has been known to start off the season pretty slow. We saw last year when they went one and two and had that big upset or upset loss against BYU. So I'm going to go with South Carolina. What about you, Tori? Yeah, give me the Gamecocks. Ryan. Sadly, Tennessee. Caden. South Carolina. And Patrick. I will never root for Tennessee, but just to make it interesting, I'll go Tennessee. 
Next game, Notre Dame and Wake Forest. Wake Queen Forest Irish. was okay. Yeah, Queen yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Wake Forest was supposed to be a pretty good team this year, and they started the year off at zero and two. I know they had to play Clemson, but I mean, who are we kidding? They're in, they're in the ACC. The only real team in the ACC is Clemson. Mississippi State and LSU. Number six LSU. Is this a queen the, clean go, sweep? Go Tigers. Yes. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. I want to pick. Tigers. I want to pick LSU or uh, excuse LSU me, is over Mississippi year, State so but, bad, but. I mean, come on, what are we doing? First game of the season at LSU. Number eight, Texas versus Texas Tech. Rivalry game, even though Texas Tech is not ranked, and Texas is the eighth best team in the nation, but I'm going to still go with the Longhorns. What about you, Tori? Yeah, give me Texas. Ryan. Hook 'em horns. Hook 'em horns or Longhorns. Caden. Uh, I miss Colt McCoy, Texas. I do too. Patrick. Horns up. Clean sweep. And then the final game, the second best game of the day, in my opinion, number 22 Army taking on number 14 Cincinnati. I'm going to go with the Bearcats. Patrick, who you got? This is tough. Give me Cincinnati. This is a tough one. Caden. Cincy. Ryan. Cincinnati. Tori, you're going to be the lone wolf. Uh, no, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. A clean, sweep for a clean sweep for Cincinnati. So, I, after the show, later on in the week, I'm going to get the standings. So, next week we can go over them. I've kind of lost track. But, obviously, we have, we have the notes to go back and see how everyone has done. That's going to do it for... Us on this beautiful Sunday night. The weather is getting absolutely stunning. I mean, when I was walking out, I was feeling myself. It was feeling so right. good. Goodness gracious. Everyone go out to Pumpkin Patch this weekend. Pumpkin mm. Patch. Yeah. Get a little sm- pumpkin. I'm big into pumpkin spice. I love I'm all the pumpkin pump- spice. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's a pumpkin spice milkshake that Steak and Shake came out with last year. I am hoping they do the same. But like I said, that's going to do it for this Sunday night, another Sunday night edition of Red Zone Radio. For myself, Matthew Hargrove, Ryan Gooden, Tory Bowling, producer Caden Gaylord, and Patrick Carey, make sure you go and follow us on Twitter, Facebook. I'm, I apologize. Facebook, I, 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 it's down right now. I'm trying to get it back up. So I, I, I'm working constantly to try to get that up. I know it's annoying. So, again, I apologize. But Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WKU Red Zone. And for all of us, go, go Tops. Tops.